Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. The Quirkiness of Old Age. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. I appreciate you clicking play. You can find the website and previous episodes at the website, leaningtowardwisdom.com. Of course, you can go to any of your favorite podcast catchers. and I don't know. You'll find a hundred or more episodes for sure. I don't know how many there are. There's over a thousand, I can tell you that. Nope, they're not all online, but not for any particular reason, just because I've iterated, I have pivoted. It is one of the quirks of getting older. You kind of change your mind sometimes. Let's talk about it. been around old people very much well what do you consider old let's start we probably should start there i've been around old people pretty much all my life uh i will tell you that i've i've kind of sort of been attracted to old people older people pretty much always i'm not talking old, feeble, have the same conversation every stinking time kind of people. But, you know, there are young people that can do that. (laughs) Yeah, I know some. Talk about all the problems, talk about all the maladies, replay the same song over and over and over and over. Age is not a requirement for that. There's no doubt. I watched with... Great anticipation, as I always do, the annual stockholders meeting for Berkshire Hathaway. Now, here you have got Warren Buffett, who I think is 91. I'm not positive. you got Charlie Munger, his partner, who's like 98, same age as my father. <laughs> you watch these guys. It's just They're just too funny. You know, Charlie sitting there sees candy is in the portfolio of companies by Berkshire Hathaway. And of course they've got seized candy boxes in front of them as they're on the stage. Uh, they've got a can of Coke cause you know, they're a big holder of stakeholder in Coke, uh, Coca-Cola. And you know, Charlie is sitting there just, he's just munching on these candies. Like there's no tomorrow while Warren is holding forth or trying to, Warren is is not nearly as articulate as he was a few years ago. You can tell he's he's slower. Listen, the, the guy has forgotten more than I'm ever going to know, so I'm not throwing rocks. It's just, come on, he's 91. It happens. It happens. I'm watching these guys, and it really was kind of the impetus for today's episode, the the quirkiness of old age. You know, here's here's two guys, and, I don't know that they ever did care much, but if they did, it's probably been a long time since they really cared that much about what anybody thought, you know? I mean, they just kind of do their thing. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, they're, they're a couple of quirky, quirky old billionaires. I, you know, does, does age make them quirky? Does being a billionaire make them quirky? Probably both, you know, and, and the way that they did it. So there's that. Uh, some quirkiness of old age that I am noticing. And while I don't think of myself as being an old man, uh, I, I, I am, I'm, I'm an older man, but we're all getting older and that's a good thing. So 
my quirkiness of old age, it could be argued, and those that know me best would probably confirm it, that, well, the quirks have always been there. Maybe they're magnified. I remember hearing and, and reading many, many years ago that wealth just kind of amplifies who you are. I, I don't know if that's true or not because I've never I've never been – well, I've never been wealthy enough to be amplified. I would love I would love to be amplified, wouldn't you? How great would that be? You could walk around and say, "I'm amplified." You're I'm, you're I'm sorry, you're what? I'm wealthy. So, you know, these these quirks and these personality traits that I've got, they're amplified because, well, I'm 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 rich now. I got money. I don't know if that's true. I guess it could be. You know, you got this Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, it's a lawsuit, but I was searching for some more clever word for it. I I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a colossal train wreck. It seems to me, but you've got these people and you wonder, okay, take away their money, take away their fame. Are they, are they going to, is this, is this who they are? How, How do we know? Who knows? Who knows if you're like me, Johnny Depp just does not seem like a Kentucky boy to me. Does he you? (laughs) Well, he hasn't been a Kentucky boy for a long, long time. Um, but you, if, if you even just do a flying Passover, like I do uh, of this trial, it's just remarkable. It's like people do live this way. This is kind of incredible that people do live this way. I mean, talk about quirky, got nothing to do with age. It certainly doesn't seem to have much to do with maturity or experience in life. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe wealth does just amplify and make you more of what you already are. And I'll leave it to others to pontificate on what they think either one of these personalities are, but I can tell you this, I, I wouldn't want to live their life. I, I just, they can, they can, I'm, I'm pleased that they have whatever money they've got. And as I once told a rich friend of mine, I'm glad you've got it. And I'm glad I don't because we were both raising kids at about the same time and same age. And, you know, I just knew his kids were going to expect so much more than my kids were going to expect because he had it and they knew he had it. And I don't have it. My kids knew I didn't have it. So that felt kind of freeing to me. There's a lot of, a lot of rich kids and a lot of rich folks, rich parents who maybe through no fault of their own, but simply because the 16 year old realizes, you know, pop's got millions of dollars. I, I really need, I really need a brand new M three BMW for my 16th birthday. And I'm hacked that he won't get it for me because he could, and he, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt him at all to do it. I don't know what that conversation would be like if I was in that position. I can tell you the M3 would not be in the driveway or the park or the parking garage or whatever for my 16 year old, even if I had the wherewithal. Thankfully, I didn't have to have that conversation. Does wealth, does age what are these things that amplify quirkiness? And I guess first we have to have a conversation about, well, what is quirkiness? Well, you know, I don't remember the judge who gave the definition of obscenity is, you know, well, hard to define, but I know it when I see it kind of a thing. It's quirkiness is maybe a similar thing. I don't really know how I would define it because what could be quirky to me may not be that quirky to you, but I think of quirkiness as being that 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 thing that whatever that you and I both look at it and we both think it's quirky <laughs> that we agree on it. <laughs> I think we can all agree that when we look at say the likes of a Johnny Depp or an Amber Heard that we 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 are can't we surely we can all agree that we're seeing what we're seeing is not it's just not the norm, is it? 
I mean, tell me that it's just not the norm in how we we live our lives or how we want to live our life. It's not surely it's not the norm when it comes to our relationships. I mean, I'm just uncomfortable. I'm just uncomfortable listening to some of the testimony, and I haven't. I I doubt I've consumed thirty minutes of this thing. But in the wee hours of the morning, you know, when insomnia hits and I click some three to seven minute YouTube snippet of some portion of the trial, and you're just like, okay, good thing I don't have any more money than I've got. If money would amplify, well, there is the thought that money might amplify the absolute worst parts of us, not the best parts of us. That probably is true. Probably is true. If you've ever had any interaction with high-level athletes, pro or amateur, and I'm thinking, I don't know, think D1, Division One, college football players, and up, it's a very different breed of cat. Real different breed of cat, by and large. By and large. And so by the time if somebody makes it to the league, let's say that a D1 college football player makes it to the NFL, and let's say they play for 10 years, it's pretty understandable to me how they got there. Because they've likely been, if not the best, among the best on any team they ever played for. And they've been given that star treatment for as long as they can remember they've been clamored after they have been wined and dined and cajoled and you know they, they've just had everything in their in a, in a dog thrown at them uh to entice them hey play for us play for us and man we we'd love to have you and as great and thrilling as being that wanted must be to think about somebody who's still a young person in their thirties, but they have pretty much spent 20 years of their life being that guy, being that sought after, man, we want you. You're great. You're terrific. You're awesome. At a boy spike, any humans bound to start believing that, right? That because you, you kind of are the center of the universe everywhere you go. Meanwhile, the rest of us, you know, we're out here living lies in complete anonymity and sometimes busting your tail to try to do a good job and nobody even notices. We might would just kill over of a heart attack if somebody just gave us an attaboy. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, these people are, I mean, they're disappointed because somebody else in the league got a contract for $1,000 a year more than their multi-million dollar deal. <laughs> It's, I don't know. Talk about a quirk. The the people that want the highest contract at their position, you know, and you read stories about, okay, well, this guy got signed for that much and this guy got signed. Okay, well, I want to make more than all of them. Okay, so they stick a dollar on or they stick $100 on. It's like that $1 makes that much. Yeah, to your ego, it matters. <laughs> As I hit the record button, news hit about Tom Brady's deal with Fox after his playing days are over, which people can assume it's going to be after this next season. But what if it's not 10 years? Is it $375 million? So it's in excess of $37 million a year. <laughs> More money than Troy Aikman and Joe Buck combined <laughs> their new deal at ESPN. I mean, talk about, talk about setting a new bar for the whole thing. Thank you very much. Here in Dallas, Luka, Luka Doncic, star for the Mavericks, European guy. I'm not an NBA fan, but of course here in Dallas, there, it was all the buzz. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you realize that Tom Brady in retirement working for Fox is going to make more money than Luka a young guy, an upstart rock star in the NBA, which is notorious for 
paying insane sums of money to players. Tom will make more than Luca. Doesn't seem right. Well, hello, quirkiness. Quirkiness doesn't have to seem right. Quirkiness doesn't care about right. It just is. Okay, well, let's talk about quirkiness. Let me let me make some confessions about my own quirkiness, and I don't know. We'll see if we can't derive some value from this. I mean, there's got to be some point here, right? <laughs> it makes it so much more interesting for all of us if we do have a point. The point of the quirkiness of our old age is, I don't know if it's so much what are we going to do about it. It's just an acknowledgement that it, it can it can hit us. I find myself in old age being probably, as I described, wealth. I can't attest to that because I've not had wealth, not that kind of wealth. I'm rich in many other ways. <laughs> you know, don't you love that? Well, I'm not rich in money, but I'm rich in other things. To which the rest of us go, yeah, but wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to have the money? <laughs> and everybody in unison, we all say in, cor- in, a, in a chorus together, yes, yes, we, would want, we want the money. Show us the money. Please show us the money. The quirkiness does get amplified. That's one point that I can honestly make. And I think it gets magnified for the same thing, same observation that I made about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. It's obvious that here, here sit on this stage in front of thousands of people, two, two men that just don't care. I mean, they care about the shareholders. I don't mean that, but they roll the way they roll. They think what they think. They make the financial decisions they make. They don't care what anybody else does. They're, they're playing their own game and there's something attractive about that. Isn't there? And I think growing older gives us some of that. It gives us some of that ability to just, and I don't mean a self-centered kind of a thing now, because let, let's go talk to any kid and what we're going to find is we're going to find a self-absorbed. I'm not talking about an abnormal. I'm just talking about the ordinary average kid. We're going to see somebody who's largely immature and largely self-centered and largely filled with excuses and blame pointed at other people. It is what we all did and it's what we all do as immature people. Now, as we mature, things change. Now it's, we start accepting responsibility. Doesn't mean we're to blame, but it just means, okay, now what am I going to do? I mean, here's my circumstance. Here's my situation. I got to deal with it. I wish it hadn't happened, but it did happen. So now it's up to me to do something about it. Okay. Welcome to maturity. And now when you amplify that maturity, it doesn't take on a selfish t- tone. It just takes on an I don't care <laughs> kind of a tone. Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger have built Berkshire Hathaway the way they wanted to build Berkshire Hathaway, and they've done it for decades and decades and decades, and they were doing it as younger men. They're doing it now as older men, and it has it seems to me as, as strictly as an outside observer, I am not a stockholder. Boy, do I wish I were. What's a, what's a share of Berkshire Hathaway worth these days? Let's look that up. Shall we? It is worth, I know it's, I know it's a, it's a strong six figure. Um, uh, Berkshire Hathaway stock price is $468,000. Can that be right? Could be, could be class a stock, class a stock, $468,000. As I hit the record button, that's down 
quarter of a percent. It's down a thousand. It's down twelve hundred and seventeen dollars. Well, that's that's bad. <laughs> that's bad. It hit a high today at eleven forty four a.m. As I'm recording, it is three thirty. So it has gone from four seventy six to four sixty seven and some change because the market's still open. So, uh, yeah. Hey, I wish I had one share. Well, I wish I had half a share. I'd be, I'd be tickle pink with half a share. (laughs) It'd be way too much to ask to have two shares, two whole shares. You'd have almost a million bucks. If you had two shares, where was I? Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, for years and years doing it the way they want to do it. In many cases, people think, you know, they're contrarians. I, I don't think it's a matter of wanting to be, it's just, they've got their mind made up. They've just got their mind made up. And I think for those of us that are getting older, the older you get, you just about some things, you just, your mind's made up now. Here's the downside of that. The downside is, as you get older, you can get incredibly close-minded, but there are some things that it probably isn't, it's probably not a bad thing to be close-minded. It's probably not a bad thing for Berkshire Hathaway to be operating with a premise that the company needs to have some solid financial, you know, key measurements, but the company also needs a ridiculously sound leader. That's those are probably, those are probably smart and wise things to be somewhat close-minded about and say, no, I'm not going to budge on those things. We often call these things non-negotiables. Well, the non-negotiables others could look at it and say, well, you're close-minded. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if that's how you want to look at it, what are your non-negotiables? Do you have non-negotiables in your career? Do you have non-negotiables at home? Well, I hope you do. If you've got any wits or wisdom about you at all, then you do. I mean, everything in your life can't be negotiable. I mean, how willy-nilly is that? Do you have some convictions that no matter what, you're just going to remain true to? Well, then welcome to the world of non-negotiables. Welcome to the world of closed-mindedness. It's funny how we just put these negative labels on things and we assume, well, that, that, that doesn't sound good. To be closed-minded doesn't sound good. But it sounds good to have a non-negotiable. But if it's non-negotiable, then what does that mean? It means I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to consider anything else. This is how it's going to be. My mind is made up. Well, it also presupposes that there may have been a time, there likely was a time when your mind was not made up. As you were, at some point, Warren and Charlie were young guys and they were formulating these views and these opinions and these philosophies and they began to test them. And as they tested them, it seems to me as the outside observer, they realized this works. This works for us. Everything about it was congruent with who they were and how they operated, and it worked. It succeeded. And you can't argue now with the success. Meanwhile, there are other people who are fully convinced of certain other things that may not be successful at all, but they refuse to budge. Smart. I don't know. I mean, if we're talking about comparing somebody who's making investments the way Berkshire Hathaway does, no, probably not smart. But if we're talking about somebody that's just not going to budge on their convictions, there are drug cartels all over the world that are printing money. Well, some quite literally, but most figuratively. Incredibly lucrative. You willing to enter that fray? Well, why not? They're financially ridiculously successful. 
What about the so-called sin businesses? Highly lucrative, all of them. Name any of them. Just almost a guaranteed path to some success if you enter any of those businesses. You will enter those businesses. Many people are. Far more than are willing to enter the drug business in a big way. Seems more legit, you know. But there are many of us that neither one of those things would even be a consideration. It, it wouldn't even cross our minds that, well, you know, the path to success, sell drugs, sell drugs. You know, well, you know, the path to success, any one of the popular sin businesses for some of us, it just, the first thing that crosses our mind is no, no. Well, but what about, no, there is no, but what if? The answer is just no. It's a non-negotiable. It is. It's just fixed. Well, that's you're being terribly close-minded. What do you mean you wouldn't be willing to be a pornographer? It's very lucrative, you know. It's got no. That's got nothing to do with it. The answer is no. <laughs> And as we get older, that quirkiness of just saying no like that and having your mind made up and having these non-negotiables, it, it, it just, you're just, your feet are just so firmly planted in the cement of all that, which can play to your advantage. Now, admittedly, if you're wrong about something, Warren Buffett he talked in one of, in his opening remarks, he talked about how America, well, how the world is just getting increasingly more tribal and that he really, in his lifetime, he hasn't seen anything like that since Roosevelt was president. And he said, you know, when Roosevelt was president, he said, man, you either loved him or you hated him. He happened to grow up in a house that hated him. And he said, there was just no dessert going to be given if you didn't first insult president Roosevelt. So, you know, he learned to insult president Roosevelt because dessert meant that much to him. And of course, everybody got a chuckle out of it, but he talked about tribalism and how he's not seen anything quite like that since until recent history. And he likened it to being a Nebraska football fan. He is the Oracle of Omaha. So Nebraska has been home for him for ever in a day. And he said, I can see a play in real time and player steps out of bounds. The Nebraska player steps out of bounds. Refs don't catch it. And I'm cheering and they'll show the replay over and over and over and over again. And sure enough, he stepped out, but I'm, Hey, I'm a Nebraska fan. So my tribalism is going to kick in and I'm going to think he was in, he was in, even though empirical evidence shows me he was out. He said, so, so it goes with tribalism. Now that's, that's a closed mindedness where in, in light of facts and in light of inerrant truth, you just refuse to, you just refuse to accept it. That's just plain stubbornness. I, there's a distinction. There's a big distinction in the quirkiness of old age of just absolutely refusing to see clearly and being staunch in your devotion to your convictions. There is a difference. There is a difference. And as we see older people and we see people that just won't budge from certain things, and there's little doubt, there's little doubt from the evidence that most of us witness that that stubbornness, it can permeate and it can pretty much fix itself or affix itself to most anything in our lives. There's no, I don't think there's much doubt that as we get older, perhaps our minds do uh, become a bit more closed minded. Uh, for one thing, our minds are not as sharp for another thing. We may not be as in tune with what's going on. Uh, we just may not be paying that close of attention because we just don't care anymore. You know, I grew up watching Walter Cronkite. I grew up watching the Vietnam War every night on the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. I couldn't tell you the last time I watched network news. I couldn't tell you the last time I watched local news. 
And here I am in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. What are we, the number four media market in the country now? I mean, we're rapidly heading toward displacing Chicago for number three. I don't watch. I, I, I don't watch. I will see things on the Internet. I'm focused on mostly the things that I care about. But there's an awful lot of stuff I just don't care about anymore. It just, I just I don't care about it anymore. Are we going to have a bubble? Is this all going to crash and burn? Guess what? I've lived long enough that I know that people don't know. And the people that get on the Internet or the people that get on television and tell you that they know, they're liars. They don't know. They don't know. If they knew, they would not be on TV for free. And they are. So there. Is this sustainable? I don't know. It doesn't feel like to me it is based on my experience, but I don't know. These are unprecedented times. We've never seen anything like this. And so where's the history? I've never seen anything like this. I've said to you before, my father's 98. He's never seen anything like this. He and Charlie Munger, the same age. Charlie's not seen anything like this. So these are quite pointedly unprecedented times. I don't know. Don't know what's going to happen. Do I have some interest? Yeah, but not so much that I'm going to get wrapped around the axle about it. Not so much that it's going to completely just displace my life. It's a quirk of getting older. You just get to a point where there are many things that you just don't care about anymore. You don't care as much. It's not like I don't care at all, but I don't care as much. I realize that the DFW area is headed toward, I mean, we have gained in population dramatically. We continue to gain dramatically. Real estate continues to be insanely crazy, hot, crazy hot. And I don't, where's that going to end? I don't know. I don't know. I know that it's vastly different than it was when I got here over 30 years ago. And I know that in the next 10 years plus, it's going to change even more dramatically and not likely in a great way for somebody like me. But if I'm a 20-year-old, I'm probably thinking a bit differently. Man alive, what a great, you know, look at all the stuff going on. Look at a guy like me, I don't care. I don't care. We've got every pro sports league represented in the city. We've got live music happening every night of the week somewhere. We've got entertainment galore. We've got restaurants galore. Name it. We've got it. Welcome to living in a major market. Well, that's great. And that's wonderful. I'm a Dallas stars fan. And they've been on Bally Sports, so I hadn't even been able to watch them until they get in the playoffs, and they, you know, they're doing okay, but probably not going to advance the way they're going. You know, I, what do you take advantage of? What do you want to take advantage of? The quirkiness of old age is you just don't care. I don't care anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. The things that other people may get all amped up about, I just don't. I'm not amped up about it. I don't care. I don't care. I'd rather give me the woods of Arkansas. <laughs> Plant me in the woods somewhere. Give me that. Give me that. Yeah, but wait a minute. You don't have all this. Yeah, I know. I know you don't have all this other stuff. It's a quirk. I admit it. It's a quirk. Give me the solitude. Give me the peace. Give me the dark sky at night. It's cool. It's cool. And I love it. Quirkiness of old age. I'll tell you another quirk, and the one that drives me crazy is uh, this post, well, if you can call it post-COVID. Number one, I'm so sick of just the discussion about COVID. I could scream, but there's that. And thankfully, I'm in Texas, so I'd, I'd be really crazy in some other states, I can promise you. You know, here in Texas, it's it, it's the Lone Star mentality, and I, I do have an appreciation for it. You may not. And if you're not here, then, well, it's likely because you're just jealous and you wish you were. But <laughs> post-COVID, what is post-COVID work going to look like? 
man alive. How many, how many pundits can weigh in on that question? And man, we are just, we are just so, we are just so clamoring to get back together and be with one another and be around one another. And we need to spend more time together. We need to be around each other more. Yeah, well, tap the brakes on that for me. I mean, don't speak for me because, frankly, other than the downside of it damaging people's health and potentially costing people their lives, and, yes, I do. there is a distinction in dying with COVID and dying because of COVID. I do realize that hundreds of thousands died with COVID, I don't happen to subscribe to the notion that COVID killed as many people as the number that people want to represent. I realized they had COVID when they died. I realized that it caused complications and it helped convey their passing. Quirk of old age, right? <laughs> you don't have to agree. I'm not looking for agreement, but you know that already. We need more time together. No, we don't. I rather enjoyed the upside to COVID was the solitude. I rather enjoyed it myself. In fact, my wife and I talked, we talked and said, this is actually pretty nice, you know. It's a quirk of old age. But you know what? That was a quirk of 20-year-old me, too. You can go through door number one and you can be around hundreds and hundreds of people. It can be great. It can be exciting. You can go behind door number two and you could kind of sit in a room with some books by yourself. I'll take door number two, Monty. Thank you very much. Leave me alone. How long can I stay in here? As long as you want. Great. When I close this door, don't open it. Nobody opens this door but me from the inside. <laughs> 20-year-old me would have done that. No question. No question. 65-year-old me today? Oh, yeah, well. It's drop-dead easy. It's a drop-dead easy answer. Lots of quirks to old age. Less stuff. Now, this one doesn't really apply to an awful lot of people because the more I talk to older people, have great difficult time in parting with, with stuff. And you'll, you'll find, not that you'll, you'll let's, let's not address the whole hoarding dysfunction, but I mean hoarding, not in that sense, but just in the ordinary sense of we just, over time, we just, our lives, like snowballs, they pick up stuff and they pick up more stuff and then they pick up more stuff. And the next thing you know, we just, we got a house full of stuff and we really don't want this stuff. We don't even like this stuff. We don't, we haven't even looked at this stuff. We haven't used any of this stuff in a long, 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 long time. Um, one of the quirks for me in older age is over the last decade is really getting more and more and more and more and more lustful about minimalism and what if I just was surrounded by the things that I touched and used and interacted or appreciated maybe not every day but every week every month at least every year because every year that would include seasonality stuff so the flannel shirts that I love so much in the winter well it's in the 90s here in Texas now already, I don't much need those flannel shirts right now, but six or eight months from now, I'm going to want those flannel shirts. So I don't want to just, I don't want to just go buy new flannel shirts every winter, every day, every week, every month, every year. And what if I just limited it to that? Now, in my mind, the exclusions are things that have sentimental value. Got photographs, got other mementos of the past day, week, month, year, don't apply, but I don't want to part with them. Okay, well, that would not fill up a closet, much less a room. Those things would not fill up a closet. So we're not talking about a big dent in the big bag of possessions. Just wanting to get rid of stuff. Just downsize this stuff. You do hear people talk about downsizing, and mostly that's just that's just an income thing. That's just a financial thing. That's just a practicality thing. 
you know how many older people I know who who've downsized and they're paying thousands of dollars a year for multiple storage units to house all the crap that they're never going to look at. They're never going to go through it. They will die and that lock will be on those storage units and somebody's going to have to go unlock those things and sort through that stuff when these people die. And I'm like, why? Why? I, I told Rhonda the other day, I said, my objective would be for us to do what we want to do as far as our living arrangements go, because we're, we're thinking about some things. We're working on some things. But I said, the last thing I want to do is pay for a storage unit. I don't want to store anything. Now, if you got to store something because you're in between moving, I get it. I get it. This is not a slam on the storage industry. It's a slam on just, we've just got too much crap in our lives. The houses around here are, I mean, they're, they're, they're pushing 4,000 square feet. They just are right. I mean, it used to be, I grew up a three, two, three, three bedrooms, two bath. That was just, that's what you wanted. I mean, that was the ideal. Well, my generation, we upped the game, right? It was now, now it had to be a four, two and a half, a four, three. Okay. Well, we're past that now. Now it's gotta be a five, four. I mean, we need a big dog house, big dog house. And yes, we want everything to be wide open. You know, the advantage of the non wide open is mom or grandmother could be in the kitchen doing whatever they, you know, slinging flour from one end of the kitchen to the other. And the rest of us were impervious to it. You know, she could be in there doing her thing and enjoying the solitude of doing that thing. And we could be in another part of the house doing our thing. And it's kind of great, kind of great. <laughs> the open concept came into play. And I can't tell you how many, many people I heard gripe about how loud that dishwasher is or how loud that refrigerator. I never knew refrigerators were that loud. You would hear people say you're sitting in the den. Or the living room, whatever they, whatever it's called now, the family room, trying to watch TV. And it's like, and that dishwasher is just, it's like, man, alive. Is that dishwasher always been that loud? <laughs> well, see, we were not plagued by that when I grew up because the kitchen had walls. Yeah, actual walls, not, and not just the ones that held the cabinets. Yeah, some things were better, I'm telling you. I don't think I lived in a house that was, I know I didn't live in a house north of 2000 square feet until I was in my teens. Yeah. I mean, the houses were small. The houses were small. We got big dog houses and we got big overhead. And you know, one of the quirks of old age is just, is kind of a, of a craving of, of simpler, simpler times. I'm wondering about the young people today when they get old because they won't have any frame of reference. The frame of reference that I had from the houses that my grandparents and even great grandparents lived in the, these little small shotgun kind of houses that kids today are going to have no concept about. I mean, it's just, they're just going to have zero concept. They're going to have no experience with it at all. They're going to have experience with mom and dad having lived in the big house and maybe a big yard and maybe a pool and bedrooms that nobody uses anymore. Uh, and that's their frame of reference. And it makes you wonder, are they going to clamor? Are they going to clamor for a simpler life than what they grew up knowing, or are they going to want to outdo it? And I suspect there's going to be some of both. I suspect some are going to want as big as they can get. And others are going to say, I don't need all that. I'm kind of hoping for the latter. I'm kind of hoping that, that the current generation maybe is a generation that gets way more in tune, even though they have no concept of it, no experience with it, that they get way more in tune with say where my great grandparents might've been. I mean, that'd be kind of cool. It's another quirk of old age, I guess the hope that you've got about what the future is going to be and about what the next generation is going to be. COVID's had an impact. There's no question. It has impacted the way some kids view life. I'm painfully aware because I got grandkids. I'm painfully aware that just the life experience that these kids are growing up in this digital age is just going to be so different than, 
than the life that I grew up knowing. And there's no changing that. It just is what it is. Now, what will that mean? I don't know. My generation was the first TV generation. And I remember the old heads thought, well, that that's just going to be the ruin of them. May it, maybe it was, I don't know. And people today talk about all the screen time. Well, they were talking about the screen time, except we just had one screen. It was one TV in the house. It was one big tube. Oh, don't sit too close to that. That, that radiation from that tube, that's bad. You know, scoot back. You're too close. You're too close. Yeah. We, my generation, we grew up hearing that and we were the remote. So if people wanted the channel changed, we got up and changed the channel. The good news is there were only four. <laughs> so it wasn't that big of a deal. It was one knob and okay. Two, if you had UHF channels where you live. But yeah, you basically had four channels for the most part until cable came around and cable didn't come around until I was well into high school. Yeah. I told you I'm old. It's quirkiness of old age. That history as well is another quirk. I look at some of these old guys that get the young trophy wife and I'm thinking, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but once you get beyond that. And you know what I'm talking about. It's like, man alive. You, you, you talk about coming from two different worlds, just light years apart. You might as well be light years apart. I mean, from cultural references to music to, to just about anything and everything. It's like, eh, can't be worth it just can't be worth it. <laughs> it's quirks of old age, man. It's quirkiness of old age. As you're getting older, what are you noticing about yourself? Are you noticing, are, 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 are some of the rough edges getting a little smoother and are some of the smooth edges getting a little bit rougher? Yeah. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? Because some things you just don't care anymore. And maybe there are things that you never did really care that much about, but you kind of faked it. And now that you're getting older, it's like, I don't, I don't have to fake it anymore. And I'm not going to fake it anymore. So when people invite you to something and you don't want to go, you just say no. And if they probe more, you look at them and you say, I'm not trying to be impolite. I just don't want to. So I'm not coming. I appreciate you asking, but frankly would have rather you didn't. But you did, and so, no, I'm declining. <laughs> Slump shoulders, muttering to themselves as they traipse away. <laughs> and you're like, good, I don't have to go. And no, I'm not going to lie to you about it. Oh, you know, I'm so, oh, man, I wish we could come, but yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Hey, I've got great news for you. You can invite somebody else because I won't be there. There's an opening. <laughs> Congratulations. It's great. We all win. I don't have to go to your little get together and you get to invite somebody who would like to be there because I don't want to be there, <laughs> which is why I will be home. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? How old are you? What are your quirks? Are you embracing them? Are you leaning into your quirks like you're trying to lean into wisdom? Man, because I'm all for it. I don't know, man. There's so many... There's just so many thoughts, so many ideas running through my head. Because George Burns has said, man, if I'd known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. <laughs> I kind of feel that way about some of the quirkiness. There are so many things that I absolutely do wish I would have known. 
when I was younger. There's so many things that I do now know that, man, it would have been great to have known them then, but I often think about that and I think, yeah, but boy, that wouldn't have worked. I mean, how would, how would that have worked? Because some of these things, some of the, the quirkiness of old age, some of these quirks, they are meant for old age. They're somewhat comical. In many cases, they're quite practical for those of us that are older. But they're certainly less becoming, and they're frankly probably far less valuable when we're younger. You know, it, it, our lives just need some time. Kind of like an old truck, an old farm truck, you know, that patina on that paint, that it's character and it looks great. That would not look really great on a brand new Lamborghini though, but it looks great on an old farm truck, doesn't it? That's life, man. That's being out in the weather. That's what that is. It's why wrinkles wouldn't look great on a young person, but they can be somewhat attractive on an older person. Being a bald teenager is not a great thing. Being a bald 65 year old guy, it's pretty stinking glorious. Leaning toward wisdom.com is the website. My name is Randy Cantrell. Greetings and welcome inside the yellow studio.